So we're talking about the art of rest, and I wanted to throw up this picture. Uh, this is a, uh, the Chinese pictograph for the word busy. This is the Chinese pictograph for the word busy. Can you throw that up there? Yeah, you, oh, you don't have it. Okay. This, we're killing it today. Uh, there is, a, there is a, an image, trust me, of, this word, of the word busy. It's composed of two characters, actually. One is sort of aligned with, with two dashes at the top, and the other I can't even begin to describe to you. This word busy in the Chinese pictograph is composed of two separate characters. Any idea what they are? The one is heart, and the other is killing or death. So we mentioned last week, if you were with us, when we, we kind of gave an introduction to rest. We are talking about how one of the most often repeated phrases in our world right now, whenever you go up to anybody, I think we took a quick poll, and it was like almost the whole room that wanted to engage in this was like, yes, I say this phrase all the time. Man, I'm just so busy. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. Hey, hey have you said that once this week? At any time, have you said the, the line? Yeah, I am just so, yeah, super busy. And I think about it in the context then of this pictograph. It's like, oh man, I'm doing, doing all right. You know, this is going on, this is going on, but I'm just so killing my heart too much lately. Like, that's what I've been doing. Like, this is what this image, I don't know how that exactly works, but I, I've, been, I've been just killing my heart. I'm not sure the origins of that. I tried to do my best to kind of research how it came to be this, but there is something so unbelievably true about a life of hurry. And we tried last week to differentiate between being, like, working hard and filling your time and schedule with good and meaningful work. But there is a difference between that and being busy, being hurried, being scattered, killing your heart. We've been killing our heart too much lately. This text that Holly just read, we learned that this idea of Sabbath, which is what we want to formally introduce this Sunday. We've talked a bit about Sabbath over the last couple years. But it's just a reminder, Sabbath is something that comes even before there is a commandment. If you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, you know there is a commandment to Sabbath. Before even that, it is built into the rhythm of creation. Just like it's built into dormancy and biology with plants, it's built in, we're told in the Christian Judeo tradition, that is built in where Jesus, God says on the seventh day, he Sabbathed, he rested, he stopped, and he called the day blessed and holy. So the first thing, that is mentioned, the principle of first mention, the first thing that is mentioned in the scriptures uh, that is holy is time. There's something incredibly profound about that. One writer where it talks about how, how Sabbath is architecture in time. There is a, a, a rest and a stopping built in. All throughout the Old Testament, this idea of Sabbath and stopping one day a week not just like the concept of Sabbath, the concept of you should rest more, but actually stopping one day of week goes throughout all of the scriptures. Jewish texts um, prohibit about 39 specific acts during Sabbath, so in the Old Testament. Acts that are almost always associated with rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. So the idea is that if God could rest from creating the universe, that God's people could rest in the building of the sacred temple. So these are the kinds of tasks. Tasks such as sowing, plowing, reaping, threshing, winnowing, are prohibited. As are grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, spinning, weaving, hunting, slaughtering, building, hammering, and transporting are among the prohibitions. 
But beyond the list, the idea, and we see this fleshed out all throughout the scriptures, by saying no to making some things happen, is about giving deep permission to do other things. When we stop our daily work, other things like love and friendship and prayer and touch and singing and rest can be born into this space. So for those of you, how many of you grew up in a, in a, um, in a Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox like, Christian home? Like you went to church fairly regularly. I'm not going to try to do it now, but I'd be so interested to know how many of you actually heard a teaching on Sabbath or practice this outside of Sunday's the Lord's Day and we sort of stop working. So throughout history, like Sabbath shifts from the Christian tradition from Saturday to Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. But the same things sort of apply. Here's why I think sometimes this happens. It's because if you were to start with Jesus, so you're brand new. Some of you right here are brand new to the scriptures, brand new to the Bible. We're so glad you're here, by the way, as you're exploring your spirituality and Christian spirituality. If you, were, if, you, if you were to go, I'd love to learn more about Sabbath. Everyone tells me I should start with the teachings of Jesus, which is right in the middle of that Bible. Open it up and start reading. You would notice that Jesus is a little cranked up about Sabbath. Every single time Sabbath rolls around, he's got actually something kind of negative to say. The one observation that many make is that most of his healings take place on the Sabbath. And I think there's actually more going on there. That Sabbath has always been a place where healing happens. But his commentary on these Pharisees who were the religious leaders of their time, he's always got something to say about, you guys are making the Sabbath all about all these rules and you're missing the point, you're missing the point, you're missing the point. Now there are a few ways, actually a number of ways that the culture that Jesus was born into are similar to ours. But we can sometimes fall prey to thinking that everything about the time that Jesus was born into somehow relates to us today. Some of it does not. And one of the things is there was all of this fundamentalism that had grown up around Sabbath and a whole lot of other things. There are 1,500 laws called the Mishnah that had been added to the 613 laws that were the Torah. Sabbath, when the fans come on mid-sermon, you know, like, all right, speed it up. Sabbath had basically lost its heart. And Jesus is confronting this. Jesus is confronting a bunch of religious folks who have actually a good heart about them. They're like, look, Jews, we are under oppression. They're under the Roman Empire. If we can get stuff right, if we can be more holy, if we can make sure we follow Sabbath, so let's throw some extra laws on to make sure we are faithful and keeping the Sabbath holy, just stopping everything and enjoying the goodness of God, going to synagogue, doing it all right, I don't know anybody or any part of Western culture right now that is having fights about Sabbath rules. Do you? Like currently in our culture right now, the problem in Providence, Rhode Island, amongst Christian community, is their fundamentalism around Sabbath day. It's meant to be funny. Like it's not a thing. It's not a thing. And so when Jesus says, for instance, you are not made for Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for you. This is what he says. In other words, he's confronting these religious elites, saying this whole day of stopping and resting and worshiping, which we're going to get to in a second, all of these laws you put on there, it's almost like you think God created like, like you were created to keep the Sabbath holy. No, no, no. The Sabbath was created and a gift for you 
and for all creation. So where the first century Judaism needed to hear Jesus' words, you were not made for the Sabbath, I think that we in Providence in 2019 need to hear the words, hey, hey, the Sabbath was made for you. Like it was made for you, this is a gift. Our problem isn't a bunch of unnecessary rules, it's that we don't have any rules. We have no rules, we have almost disregarded it. And so any of you who grew up in an environment where you never talked about the Sabbath, or the Sabbath was sort of like it doesn't really matter anymore, like the absence of a New Testament command to Sabbath doesn't negate it. We keep all of the other Ten Commandments. We still think it's good. One of the commandments is don't murder. We still think it's good to do that, to not do that, to, to do the commandment, to not murder. So none of the, don't covet. We're not like, oh, we can covet now. Jesus is back. Yeah, we can, yeah, I can no, we can totally. I don't have to honor my parents anymore. Jesus is here. For those of you who didn't grow up in churches, I get why this is not funny, but stay with me. We don't do that for any of the other ones. Why do we think the Sabbath commandment is over? Why do we zero that one out and pull it out? Just because Jesus addressed some legalism in the New Testament? A debate, by the way, theologically, over whether you have to or not is a total red herring. It's just good for you. It's wisdom. There is no command to sleep eight hours a night. But if you don't sleep eight hours a night, it's just stupid. Don't do it. Do the thing. And I think the same in some ways goes for Sabbath. If you were to do a deep dive into Scripture about Sabbath, we would find the essence of it is this. I don't want you to just remember these two words. Rest. Say rest. And worship. Rest and worship. This is what Sabbath is. At the end of the day, Sabbath is a day to rest and worship. It's not just the absence of work. It is not just a day off. It's not less than that, but it's, it's much more than that. It is in the presence of something that arises when we block off a period of time to listen to what is most deeply beautiful and nourishing and true. It says in the book of Isaiah, if you call the Sabbath a delight, then you shall take delight in the Lord. If you delight in resting and worshiping once a week, you will find yourself delighting in the Lord. In fact, in Nehemiah, it says the joy of, our, of the Lord is our strength. Right? There is something about then delighting and, and rejoicing in God that actually is where we get our strength. The passage goes on, you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Like this Sabbath, they don't mess around with Sabbath in the scriptures. If you stop rest and worship. It's like taking delight in the Lord and then you will ride upon the heights of the earth, whatever that is. Anyone want to ride upon the heights of the earth? I do. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely in. If it was like, here's the ticket, ride upon the heights of the earth. It's like, that's going to be awesome. So Sabbath, to, to, just to get down to it real quick. Sabbath is about resting and worshiping. This is what it looks like for me. Or what I've wanted it. I should say part of this is what we do and then part of this is very aspirational. To stop. To light a candle at the beginning of Sabbath. To read a psalm. To pray, Holy Spirit, come and lead us and guide us. I like to eat my way through Sabbath. As you can tell. Just to stop. To rest. To enjoy Invite maybe some close friends in. I got into this habit for a while with my oldest. We would stop and um, I would, uh, we have almond milk in our house. Don't judge me. Um, lactose intolerance, can't do it anymore. 
So we do chocolate almond milk and we start the day with the scriptures. We do pancakes and almond milk and we stop and we rest and we have a little, she has a Harper Quiet Time mix and she puts on the mix. She thinks Jen Mancuso, Brent's wife, sings What a Beautiful Name, that song. She thinks she wrote it and sings it because it's on her playlist. And so she's saying, we go through this playlist and we listen together and we're quiet and she reads through her kid's Bible, reads through her kid's Bible. She looks at the picture and I ask her, what are you excited about for the new week? That's funny, that moment of examine with her is one of the more powerful moments in my own life. Then we, we take a nap together, I get my introvert on. I was reading about what other people do on the Sabbath. There's one ancient tradition that is actually really consistent through most literature around Sabbath and it's amazing. You wanna know what the practice is? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's sex. One of the more popular Sabbath activities, where are my, where are my married folks at? Well, my married folks socks, yes, right, we're a biblical church. One of the more popular Sabbath activities is making love. This is what Ryan Ritter says. In the, um, in the Talmud, one of the uh, uh, Jew, Jewish writings uh, on marriage, contract states that the righteous couple should make love every Friday night. Remember, if you're Jewish, you Sabbath from Friday to Saturday. One practitioner told me that it is traditional among some sects to make love four times during the Sabbath. Hallelujah! Someone's shouting me down. I can't tell if it's good or bad. What? It's, it's somebody like, I can't do that four times. We have a class afterwards for, no, I'm just kidding. So the writer goes on, hearing this, I respectfully inquired as to whether he and his wife, who are telling him this, actually made love four times and, in fact, faithfully keep this particular precept. He says, no, we make love only once, but, he added with a twinkle, we hold a deep intention for the other three. Love that. I want my kids to look forward to Sabbath. Not that part, but the, to Sabbath in general. To cultivate life in the presence of God. Most of us want to learn how to live in the presence of God. That's what Sabbath is about. This rest in worship, Sabbath isn't a magic trick, but this rhythm weekly of rest in worship help us get at, wade into the river where God's spirit is flowing. It helps us open the window to experience the breeze that is the Holy Spirit. It helps us present ourselves and to experience the presence of God. This is what Sabbath does. It shapes us. And look, a lot of us want to be people who shape culture. We want to change the world. We want to build wells and launch businesses that are ethical. We want to care for the poor and the oppressed. We want to raise up families, right? We want to start schools that are faithful to the way of Jesus. We want to be people who demonstrate and announce the love and justice of God. Many of us want that. We want to transform the world. But to be totally honest with you, too many of us step out into culture to transform it and find ourselves transformed by it because we are not formed. And Sabbath is one of those ways that help us be formed. We want to go out into the world and transform the world, but we are not transformed ourselves. We are formed by spirit and we are formed by truth. And the Sabbath, like all the other spiritual practices, they slow us down long enough to create space to present our mind and body before the Spirit, God's power, and the truth of God. Be confronted with what's going on. One of the beautiful things that happens with Sabbath is we are confronted with reality. If you were like me, 
Anyone familiar with the Enneagram here? Any sevens in the room? Yeah, if you're like me, you're like, what is that? That's the cultish thing that I didn't want to know about, and I'm leaving. This is a personality test. Calm down. One of the most beautiful things that happens is you're confronted with reality. If you're like me, um, you, have a, you like to distract yourself from reality as much as possible. Everything is beautiful. Everything is gold. Everything is full of hope. We're going to be okay. So we distract ourselves with work, with sex, with Netflix, with shopping, with activity, whatever other cultural narcotics you have going on. The beautiful thing about Sabbath is that all the stuff that we've been out running, good and bad, catches up to us. I'm Scott Peck. Peck. He actually wrote this before he became a Christian. But he wrote, mental health is an ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. I'm going to read that again because you all should have gasped at that one. Mental health, being healthy, being integrated, being whole is an ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. I think that's a good definition of even maturity. We are dedicated reality chasers. We want, the, the, we want to be sober-minded. When we Sabbath, some of it's joy and celebration, but a lot of it is slowing down long enough to make space to confront what's going on and who God is. And Sabbath then creates this safe environment for reality to rise to the surface. Stopping. When we rush past it all, all the unhealthiness of life just leaks out through the week. I mean, I, again, the amount of studies I read that I was like, oh man, I wish I had more time to like unpack these studies. Like they were like talks in and of themselves. We have weary immune systems. We make these foolish, foolish choices. So often because we don't make time to stop, we don't have time and make time to actually rest. Sabbath helps us to bring our mess to God and allow his grace and his peace to cover us. So here's what this means for culture around us. Because our culture has sped up. Our world has sped up, especially in urban centers. Look, Sabbath is so problematic in our nation like, we know how to work hard, we know how to play hard, but we struggle to stop, rest, worship, and be refilled week in and week out. We have a culture that is built around accomplishment and accumulation. Does anyone else feel that? Like, our world is built on accomplishment and accumulation. And the idea of stopping sounds so, it's, just, it's really hard we're going to do a Q&A toward the end of this, and I'm just thinking of folks with young kids, folks who can't even sit through the whole service because they got to get up and take care of their kids because they're crying downstairs. Or they're like, we came to church, Andrew, and you promised us they see this Sunday, and we're not, and my baby's crying and dying of heat stroke. Kidding. It's not too bad out there, right? All right, good. Culture is built around this accomplishment and accumulation. How am I going to stop? How am I going to stop when everything is so busy? So I wanted to throw this out there for all the folks who have a contrarian spirit, all the eights on the Enneagram, <laughs> all those who love to post about everything that's wrong in the world. Anyone out there? You're the first one to post about some injustice. You live by the mantra, damn the man. You are a punk rock fan. Any punk rock fans out there? Like real punk rock. I don't mean like emo hot topic. I mean like real punk, like minor threat. Adam, thank you. Anyone out there have that spirit in them? This may be motivating to you if other things like rest and, and relaxation and joy and delight and being out in the woods or like being on a surfboard, like doing a yoga pose, thinking about the Lord is not helpful for you. 
If you need that contrarian spirit, Sabbath is the most punk rock thing. It's stop just to present yourself before others. Walter Brueggemann says this, I have come to think about the fourth commandment, which is Sabbath, is the most difficult and most urgent of the commandments in our society because it summons us to intent and conduct that defies the most elemental requirements of our commodity-propelled society that specializes in control and entertainment and anxiety and violence. He's saying this is the most important thing we can do in a world that is go, push, accomplishment, accumulate, more, better, bigger, go, don't stop, make sure you keep that IG story up, blog, like push it, push it, go, work, stop. Sabbath goes, no, 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 no. It is a minor threat song. It's a reference that two of you get, but it's like right in the middle of all of that chaos going no. Sabbath, Sabbath is something that is so peculiar. That's why I say it, it, it has an, almost an abrasiveness in some way or maybe an, an intrigue. I don't think it's abrasive. Every time I've ever, on a Monday, I, I do this daddy-daughter day for the longest time. It's been like my personal Sabbath. We have to kind of arrange it funny around church life when you're in vocational ministry. The amount of times I've told like a waitress or a barista or someone we just run into, right, the coffee shop when I'm with my girls, and they go, hey, what do you do? It's Monday little judgment I hear it in your voice and I go I'm I'm, I'm Sabbath wait what uh, are you Jewish no no what's 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 Sabbath the questions that follow almost every time and it's not because I'm some winsome speaker and explainer of it at the end of my little explanation they're like oh my gosh I wish I could do that but I'm just so busy I'm just so heart killing I'm just so I have so much going on That's cool that you can do that. They're intrigued by it. I think there's something that um, is so countercultural about this because it disrupts the world around it. It's not getting sucked into a hurried life. I go into the week knowing at my best who I am and whose I am. So a few things to end here. How will you struggle with Sabbath? So I want to just give you a, a breakdown of this, and then you have a sheet with you that I want to invite you to, to practice this week. The sermon this week is just about getting things started for you. I'm resolved in my heart that we would see the percentages go way up of people who are Sabbathing in our church. But here's a few things. You don't need to pull that paper out yet, but how will you struggle with Sabbath? So here's the big thing. Y'all, y'all here with me still? A few more minutes. The main problem with following Jesus in general is that we are too busy to do it. In general, I think we are just too busy to follow Jesus. Sabbath will directly confront your busyness. Sabbath will confront your time management. I am still struggling with this big time. You can't add Sabbath to an already busy life. It does not work. You have to cut stuff out. You have to start slow. You have to take the next step from where you're at. You can't just go from from incredibly crazy busy entrepreneur climbing the ladder to all of a sudden like, you know, zen mystic. It It won't work. You have to take the next click. So you have to cut stuff out. You have to slow down. You have to see the Sabbath as an art form. It's like a skill. It takes time to learn. Anyone familiar with the J curve where things sometimes actually get worse before they get better? 
Anyone familiar with this, the J-curve thing? So basically, like, you, you, at first, you'll be like, oh, I'm pretty okay at resting now and again. When you first start to Sabbath, it may actually feel like a step back. Like, it, it may feel at, at first, like, this is so hard. It was easier when I didn't try to Sabbath. I had more, like, rest time. It will feel difficult because it is disrupting what might be a, a really a long pattern of not stopping at all. And the big one is that it will expose the part of you that does not want to follow Jesus. It will expose the part of you that does not really want to follow Jesus. The part of you um, that, has that, des- like, that doesn't have actually a desire to be present with God in a special way all day. And you will feel either shame about that or you will try to justify it like it's no big deal. And the trick is, in my life, has been I just have to meet God and his grace with that. Hey, God, I don't know if I really want to stop and, and rest anymore. I, I'm actually really, I don't know how to be any more present to you right now, to bring that moment prayerfully before God. I, get, I have a friend of mine who started getting sad for no reason when she started Sabbathing. And again, it was the same advice. It was just, you got to meet God in that sadness. God, I don't know why I'm getting like, sad when I stop. And it's funny, it turned out over the course of, of the next couple of weeks journeying together and talking about this, it turned out that, oh, yeah, I'm sad because I, I hustle through my life and don't realize I'm just, it's not that I'm especially sad on Sabbath, it's just I stop, stop long enough to realize I am sad. I've been sad all week. It's just been coming out in anger to my husband, anger to my kids, frustration, impatience, not like lack of clarity. It comes out in anxiety. And I've just, I've just been sad, and I need to deal with that. This journey is worth going on, moving towards this. As we continue to talk over the next couple of weeks about silence and solitude, about simplicity, about cultivating and the kinds of things we need to cultivate around practice, this first week and this handout that I gave you is one to just start about preparing for it. Sabbath, like anything else, like going on vacation. Vacation is fun, enjoyment, and delight for some of us who don't have two-year-olds at home. No, it's a beautiful thing, right? But you have to prepare for it. If you don't prepare, if you don't hustle, do the laundry, get the car ready, fill it up, know where you're going, make sure you book the right place, the right campground, the right hotel, know some semblance of what's happening. If you don't prepare... It will not be the best vacation. The more you prepare, the more that becomes a delight. And so what you have in your hands is like a a little cheat sheet on a few ideas of how to prepare for this. To pick that time, what you might do, how you might set things up. So I want to invite the band up and I want to close with this. I don't know why I found this so helpful, but I want to give you a word to you and a definition And then we're going to come to the communion table together and close our time. Here's the word. The word is consecrate. Will you say consecrate? Consecrate. The definition of this word is basically to set apart something. To set something apart. The idea of blocking like a lane of traffic for a specific purpose. Consecration is about setting something apart, saying no to good things because there's a better thing that you're actually hungry for. Here's why I bring this up. That feels so random. God made the Sabbath, and then Israel is told, and we then by extension are told, to keep the Sabbath holy, which is to have it set apart. Now the verb here is incredibly direct. 
It simply means to consecrate. Like, church, consecrate the Sabbath. Make it holy. Our activity, or lack thereof on that day, sets apart the Sabbath. God gave them a gift. God stopped and rested, and he gave you a gift. He says, this is the day you're going to do it. This is the day that is holy and good. But I hope this is fairly obvious. If we don't then set it apart and make it holy, it becomes like any other day. In fact, this is what it says in Exodus 20. That when Israel ignored the Sabbath and treated it just like any other day, it reversed the Sabbath's uniqueness, its power, its set-apartness. The people didn't come expectant and prepared for God. It's a day that God gave you. I was talking to my brother about um, anniversaries uh, because uh, sadly my, my sister-in-law just lost her, um, her father a couple years ago. It was tragic and horrible. And, and, and so on the island that she lives on um, with my brother in Saipan uh, and part of their Catholic tradition, on the anniversary of his death, they make sure that they all go, they all go to, they all go to, um, to church, to mass. That they have a rhythm of they go and they, they eat together and they remember his name is Ned. Now that anniversary of his death exists no matter what. That day is set apart in their tradition both in their island tradition and in their Catholic tradition, set apart to remember. But if they don't go to Mass, if they don't stop and eat, if they don't pour a bottle of wine and talk around the table and remember Ned together, well, the day is just like really any other day. And if you've been married, you had a date set on the calendar, it's set, it's happening, the flowers are going to be there, the meal is set. The DJ is booked. The church is booked. The invitations have gone out. That day has now been set apart. God set apart the Sabbath. Stop and rest. I'm giving this to you. But you could not show up to the wedding. You could not have the conversation uh, about our, 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 our father who's passed away. You could not come down the aisle. Consecration is about setting it apart. It is the key to cultivating this sort of rhythm in our life to go, I know God gave me this, but am I willing to actually prepare to make it what it is supposed to be? I've been given a gift. Will I, will I, will I, will I stop? Will I come expectant? You know we love this word here at Sanctuary. Will I come expectant? Will you come expecting? God will meet you at the level of your expectation. It's funny how that works. I'm coming ready to see and rest. I know that I can't be reached. I'm ready. This day is marked out, and so I have this gift here. The beautiful thing of Sabbath does not require us to leave home or change jobs or become a monk or leave the world of the ordinary. We do not have to change anything in our attire. We don't have to purchase any spiritual equipment. We only need to remember. Remember the Sabbath. 
Remember that everything you have is a blessing. Remember that the world is full of wonder. Remember to delight in your life. Like we talked about last week, even when it's hard to give thanks to God, to stop and give thanks, to remember the fruit of your labor. Stop and remember, remember, remember. Look, something will, will, will give birth through this. Something beautiful. And I, I just want to invite you, church, to trust the journey. And in our culture of hurry, this is something that God will bring new wine out of us. This song that we're going to sing, like, make me a vessel. I yield to you and to your hands. Make me an offering. Sabbath in some ways is about that. Like, I'm laying down my work, my striving for accumulation, and my striving for more. I'm going to stop and remember the rest that is mine to take hold of the beauty and wonder of this and expect something new to begin to emerge for me. The work is done. It's to remember once a week that the work is done. So as the communion um, ushers, servers come up and we come and we take the bread and we dip it in the cup as we are reminded of Christ's body broken and his blood poured out for us. We are reminded that the work is done and just even talking about this makes me think, oh man, it'd be so great to even start, like start the day of rest. This is why I love taking communion every week. Like this is like a way you, maybe this is the middle of your Sabbath. You're like Saturday to Sunday night or maybe Sabbath started this morning. You're starting your day with a reminder that it is finished, that you've been forgiven, that you are loved, that grace is upon you. You remember the words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. This is my body broken and my blood poured out for you. This is the greatest act of love the world has ever seen and it is effective to me. And so I begin with rest, trusting that something beautiful and powerful will come out of this time set apart. Sabbath is not magic. But any of you in this room who trust that God is still at work, anybody? That God is still moving? That God still encourages? That God still heals? Anybody? Does God still do that? That God still is putting a call on people's life? That God is equipping people for their call and journey? That God is comforting the lost and the, and the those who are full of fear? If he's still doing that, then why wouldn't we take a day that help us come into the presence of that God? Sabbath ain't magic. Communion is not magic. These are things that help us lower our guard to realize God has been with us the whole time. God is with us and at work in the world. So let us come with joy and let us come with rest in our hearts to remember Christ's body broken and his blood poured out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, help us. Lord, I want to just, I, I just, I like, I hear heartbeats slowing, Lord. I hear deep breaths. God, may we, may we be reminded that in the midst of whatever the craziness is, that there are things that you, Lord, um, have for us in this new season of Sabbath. That you, Lord, our great comforter, healer, Father, warrior, friend, you making all things new. Lord, may this mark the beginning of new rhythms for some. May this mark the deepening of rhythms for others. 
as we come and take the bread and the cup, may we experience your healing power. In Christ's name, everybody said.